Our scripture reading this afternoon is from Luke chapter 10. Um, we'll read that together now, and then uh, the video will start after we're done reading that. So the words are up there on the screen, or if you have a Bible, feel, follow, feel free to follow along as well. So we'll read Luke 10, starting at verse 25. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, pass by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay. I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go and do likewise. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed her into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve you alone? Tell her to, then to help me. But the Lord answered her, answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. So as I said earlier, Pastor Ian Wildebor is a pastor at Mercy Christian Church in Hamilton. Uh, he's doing a series of sermons on a healthy uh, church, and one of those things he's on that he was on a few Sundays ago is hospitality, and uh, that's what's going to play now. And I'll announce the song response uh, after the video is over. So as I shared last, just now, I, I started a series a few weeks ago on the characteristics of a thriving church. And as I started the series, I kind of created a bit of a rubric that kind of helps us define whether a church is thriving or isn't thriving. And it kind of rests in three simple questions. Are we growing? Are we going? And are we giving? Are we growing up in Christ are we going for Christ, and are we giving to Christ? And today I want to just focus on one of those. We've focused on growing for quite a while now at Mercy, the growing through the preaching of the gospel, through prayer, through discipleship, that we're growing up in Christ. Uh, but now I want to talk about the going. What does it mean for a church of Jesus Christ to be going uh, for Christ? Well, you can answer that question by answering a few other questions in connection to that question. One of those questions might be, how are we using our spiritual gifts for the sake of our neighbor, for the sake of our community? 
How are we using our spiritual gifts to love the community, the neighborhood where the Lord has placed us? How are we an active member, you could say, of a missional church that desires to reach this neighborhood, Kirkendall, and the city of Hamilton for Christ? How am I a part of that going for Christ? Well, there are many ways where we can go for Christ, of course. Many good ways that we get to share the gospel uh, with our neighbors, whether at work or in our neighborhood or in this community or in the city at large. But I want to focus on one particular way that I believe the Lord calls us to reach out uh, to our neighbor, whoever that neighbor might be, and that is hospitality. It's the way of reaching our neighbor. It's an ordinary but also radical way of reaching our neighbor like the Good Samaritan did in our story. It has been said that no matter what the world may think of Christianity, there is nothing more applauded than a Good Samaritan. It doesn't matter what the world might think of Christianity, there's nothing more applauded than the Good Samaritan. That doesn't get critiqued by the world. It's a powerful witness to the gospel when we show Christian hospitality. Some of you might know the author Rosaria Butterfield. She was once an ardent feminist, a very proactive lesbian who shared her, her views uh, very radically um, in, in the public square. Well, she has since become a follower of Jesus, and she left that life behind her. But she writes a lot about hospitality. She says this. She says, hospitality in a post-Christian, isolated, lonely world is one of the most valuable gifts the church has to reach our society. One of the most valuable gifts in a post-Christian society to reach an unchristian society is through hospitality. It's a Christian virtue, as I said, and it's not surprising that you find it on many pages of Holy Scripture, the call to be hospitable. But here's the rub. More than once I came across quotes that kind of spoke about the, the church in the West, the Christian church in the West, that's where we are said this, this is given the clarity of biblical instructions to be hospitable and the association of hospitality with righteous living and being a good Samaritan. It's disturbing to realize how negligent many Western Christians and churches are at providing hospitality. That's what one author wrote. Another author wrote this, the biblical vision of hospitality that welcomes the stranger is largely missing in many Western churches. And so we're going to explore that today. We're going to ask this very difficult question. Is it missing at blessings? I'm not here to judge. I'm just here to ask. Is it missing in our neighborhoods where God has planted us for this time in history? Is it missing in this church at all, in this neighborhood? Are we maybe Sunday hospitable on Sunday, but during the week we, we don't live out a spirit of hospitality, even within the, in the fellowship of Christians? Do we realize that a thriving, fruitful, growing church practices radical hospitality? Radical because it's not quite not that known anymore in our present age. And so we're going to look at that today. Under this theme, characteristics of a thriving church devoted to hospitality. And it's a pretty simple structure I have before you. We're going to ask the question, why, who, and how? As I shared earlier, this is a thematic sermon. So we're going to just going to answer some pretty simple questions, I hope, about um, Christian hospitality. Here's the first one. 
What is it? What is Christian hospitality? Well, hospitality um, in Greek comes from a very simple word or a compound word that means love and stranger. That's how the word is, is compounded in Greek. And, and when you translate that, it really is the love of stranger. That stranger is someone that you don't know, but is your neighbor. And that could be in any capacity. That could be the widow, the orphan, the traffic, the poor, the refugee, the landed immigrant, the displaced, the children needing foster care, the homeless, the isolated neighbor, go on and on. And we get a sense in the New Testament that, that when that word hospitality is used, it's connected to that neighbor that we don't know that well. But it's also connected to those that we might know as well, the traveling pastor, someone in the household of faith who is struggling, who needs support, who needs love. The Apostle Paul, for example, was traveling uh, through the church of Philippi. He planted that church. And, and when a woman came to know the Lord Jesus Christ, her, her immediate response, it seems, was to show uh, hospitality. It is a response of the gospel. That when it lives in you, you want to um, share the goodness of love, uh, with goodness of Christ with others. So we read in Acts 16, verse 15, the story of Lydia. When she and the members of her household were baptized, this is what she does. She invited us to her home. Hospitality is often, but not exclusively, practiced in our home. So she invited us into our home, we read. And she says, if you consider me a believer in the Lord... This is hospitality connected to faith. Come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Paul's like, I'm in. Count me in. Give me, give me the privilege of showing Christian hospitality, please. In English, the definition is derived from Greek. It simply means this. It's kindness in welcoming strangers and guests into our home. That's what hospitality means in English. But it's what, what's interesting about the word hospitality in English that we find derivatives of this word or connections to this word in, in, in the word hospital. We find a derivative or connection in this word to, to hospice. If you look at those words hospital, hospice, hospitality, one of the things that you see very clearly that it's, it's about providing care. It's about providing support, maybe shelter, maybe some kind of help. But it's about giving something to help your neighbor, and that's what hospitality is. And at the center of all that hospitality, at the center of this love of strangers, at the center of giving kindness and care to the other is one word, and I think we need to just capture that very clearly right now, and it's the word love. Love. Someone wrote this, that hospitality is love on the loose. That's what hospitality is. It's the love of Jesus on the loose. Hospitality is the antidote, the solution to fear, to hostility, to brokenness, and to hurt that's faced by so many in this world. And hospitality, then, is all bound up in the heart of God. We have loved ones, a very hospitable God. God is love, and that love is demonstrated in his hospitality for us. It flows from our understanding of who God is in Scripture. You wouldn't be surprised to realize that Jesus understands and actually practices hospitality on the pages of Holy Scripture. Here's a bit of a challenge if you want one for this week. Read one of the Gospels this week. 
through the lens of hospitality and ask yourself, how was Jesus so hospitable while he journeyed among us on this earth? And I think you might be surprised how hospitality is connected to every stage, you could say, in his life, in ministry. You understand that Jesus was born to a displaced family. Not only was he born to a displaced family, he was internally displaced in, in Israel, of course, but as an infant, he was forced to be a refugee. He understands what it means to run from your country. Forced to be at the mercy of a people of another nation, that nation was Egypt. You find in their Savior, even as he commenced his ministry, he was not rich by any human standard, and he was actually dependent on other people's hospitality. He had no place to lie his head, lay his head, he told his disciples. Jesus knew that people had to show him hospitality, even as he showed hospitality to them. And then his whole ministry, he had untold compassion for the sick, the demon-possessed, the blind, the crippled, the dying, and the grieving. He fed the hungry. He advocated for the poor. He welcomed the vulnerable. He blessed the babies who were coming to him from others. He loved the outcasts, even the Samaritan, and chastised those who oppressed the broken. He had a hospitable heart. And if you think that ends his story of hospitality, well, the greatest act of hospitality is when you give your life to someone for their good. When you give not only of your resources, but you give of your very life for the sake of the other. That's the greatest act of hospitality you can find on the pages of Scripture. So that, so that Jesus laid down his life and that by dying in our place, we might live and be welcomed then into his eternal home to enjoy the hospice, the hospitality, the hospital of heaven forevermore. Jesus is hospitable because he has a heart of love. In so many ways, as we talk about the what of hospitality, we have to walk and follow in the footsteps of our Savior, giving our life and our time and our resources to the other for his sake. That's the what of hospitality. What is hospitality? Really, it's following Christ's footsteps. It's that simple. But here's the why. What's the why of hospitality? So here's the question. Why did the Samaritan help the victim of a roadside beating and robbery that fine day in this parable that we heard about? Why did the Samaritan help him? In some ways, his help was very ordinary. He saw someone on the street who needed help. His immediate response is, I need to help that person. He bandaged him up. He put him on his donkey. He walked into the nearest town, and he provided care for him at some kind of hospice, some kind of hospital there, and he paid his bill. He said, look after this person. It was very ordinary, and yet very radical. One, you wouldn't expect him to do that, because he was a Samaritan, and this was a Jew. And maybe just one brief lesson here about hospitality, and that's this. Hospitality knows no ethnicity. Hospitality knows no creed or religion. Hospitality knows no social class. Hospitality knows no gender, you could even say, or sexual orientation. That's the breadth of hospitality. It doesn't first ask to identify them. It just shows the love of Christ. Do you know that two-thirds of the people that saw the beaten man on the side of the road avoided him? You're like, wow, that was difficult, Ian. Pastor Ian, that was like, there was three people. <laughs> and two walked by. And one didn't. And that's very, very basic math. 
That's the best I can do. But it's still two-thirds. Two-thirds of them saw him and did nothing. And I don't think Jesus is focusing on the percentage of the one-third and the two-thirds here. He doesn't make any mention of that. But it seems that there may be more reasons not to show hospitality than there are to show hospitality. That's the problem. That we have this kind of rationalization that goes on in in our minds, and it's very, very quick. Here are the reasons I'm not going to help that guy right now. Some of them are legit. Maybe. Some of them are. Some of them are like this. I don't want to be inconvenienced. I don't want to turn this into something bigger than it is. I don't know where this is going to go. So if I start, I've got to continue. I don't want to be out of pocket here. My money is pretty precious to me. I have more important things to do than to care for this person right now. And so we have all these reasons why we don't show hospitality. And in so many ways, the reason why we talk about radical hospitality because we're becoming a culture that's quite inhospitable. And I worry that the church has kind of imbibed this message of inhospitability. There you go. Don't say that ten times quickly. Matthew 24, verse 12 says, Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. And sometimes I worry that the church of Jesus Christ is drinking the same Kool-Aid of a very self-absorbed, me-first, fear-riddled, risk-adverse culture that keeps saying no to the other because we truly don't really love them. Sometimes we're just too scared to put the hand of the stranger into the hand of the Savior because we don't want to get that close because if we get that close, we might get hurt a little bit as we put the hand of the stranger into the hand of our Savior, as Rosaria Butterfield comments in her book. So here's the question. What's keeping us from showing hospitality? What's keeping us from answering the question of the why? Why are we going to do this? And part of the reason I think that we, under, we struggle with the why of hospitality is because we struggle with the, with, the, with the reason, because we struggle with understanding the gift of hospitality that has been given to us. I think that, that reality suppresses our love for, for the lost and for the other. Let me put it this way. Unless we see ourselves as beggars, utterly displaced because of our sin and the need of the generous, warm love of Christ, we won't show it to other people. You see, unless we realize we were all strangers, even enemies of God, but reconciled to the Father through Christ and adopted into his family, we will not be willing to embrace the stranger or our enemies with Christian love because we have forgotten what God had to do to bring us into his family. You see, unless we have found our rest in the one who says to me, come to me if you are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, we won't show that rest to others if we don't understand the rest that we've been given. Unless we realize that Jesus has broken open the doors of his eternal home for you and has prepared a place for you where love and mercy reign, we won't open the doors for the other who needs to experience the same love of Jesus. If we've experienced this love and that door is wide open for us, how can we not open the door for those who need to hear the same thing or receive the same love? The why of hospitality. You can't show true hospitality to others if you don't know Jesus' hospitality to you. It's that simple. 
Let me to illust- allow me to illustrate this. I sent in my slides a little bit late, but there was a really, really beautiful slide here. It was a slide of a, of a fireplace, a really nice fireplace. Can you imagine it right now? A gas fireplace, that is. No, 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 a wood fireplace. It wouldn't work if it was gas. <laughs> Go back a few years. You see, you can't expect, expect an unlit fireplace. It could be gas, I guess. You can't expect an unlit fireplace to provide you with warmth. It doesn't matter how beautiful the fireplace is, if it's not lit, it, it cannot provide you any warmth. It's cold. You see, it doesn't matter how obedient we are and how faithful we are in coming to church every Sunday. It doesn't matter how, how faithful we are in, in running our business with great integrity, all those kind of things, justice. It, it, it doesn't matter if that's kind of your, your raison d'etre for li- living. If there's no warmth, if there's no understanding of what it means to experience the warmth of Christ's hospitality to you, you're like an unlit fire that provides no warmth to those around you. The scripture assumes you understand that we get it. The scripture assumes that we have appropriated the beauty and the warmth and the love of Christ and that that warmth and that love flows through us to the other. That's why the scripture continues to make this plea upon the church of Jesus Christ to be hospitable. But it assumes that it lives in us. God even assumed that it lived in the people of Israel as he rescued them out of Egypt. A few times in the book, the five books of Moses, especially Deuteronomy and and Exodus, he he refers to the call to to be hospitable. He says in Deuteronomy 10 verse 18, he says, He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. And this is what he says, And you are to love, love those who are foreigners. For you yourselves were foreigners in Egypt. And we were foreigners to Christ until we were brought into his family. So love the foreigner. Romans 12, 13, share with the Lord's people who are in need, practice hospitality. 1 Timothy 3, verse 2, now the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, that's where you come in. Let's try that one more time. Able to teach. Hebrews 13, verse 2, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. That would be awesome. Just ask Abraham. 1 Peter 4, verse 9 says, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. So important is this call to show hospitality that Jesus uses it as a litmus test to see whether we really actually belong to him or not. I'll say that again. So important is the call to show hospitality, flowing from a heart that's been regenerated by the Spirit of God, living Christ living in you. So important is this, lit, uh, this test that, God, that Christ uses as a litmus test. So important is this act that Christ uses as a litmus test to see whether we actually belong to him. One of the most difficult passages on this point comes from Jesus' story. It's a metaphor. It's a parable of the end times. Many of you might know this story. Where Jesus says that when he returns with his angels, 
and sits upon his throne in Matthew 25, I think beginning at verse 30 or something, he talks about the story of, of, of the king, which is himself, separating the sheep from the goats. Do you know that story, some of you? It's a very stark and startling story if you read it in the light of hospitality. Verse 33, he says, He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world, for, for, for here it comes, for I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you as a stranger invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king replies, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he goes on to the opposite, to the goats. He says exactly the same things, but he's now in the negative. You did not show me love. You did not feed me. You did not clothe me. You did not visit me in prison. Be gone from me. What a startling test. And I get it. Jesus is focusing here on the hospitality with, with those in, in the body of believers, those suffering saints that we need to reach out to, those itinerant preachers in this time, those people who are, who are struggling financially, socially, economically, that the church of Jesus Christ needs to envelope them, bring them into the love of Christ. I get that. That's what Jesus is focused on. But behind that focus is the focus of the heart. Where, where are the, where, where's, my peop, where are my, where's the heart of my people? The heart of God, you see, also burns for the oppressed, for the orphan, for the widow, for the foreigner within our gates, but also for the stranger. James covers this well. James is a brother of Jesus. He says, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. The why of hospitality flows from the heart of God to a hurting world, but it flows through us. We are the hands, the feet, and the mouthpiece of Christ to a broken world to show the love of Christ to the least of these. I'll get back to that shortly. Here's the how. We ask the question, what's the what of hospitality? We ask the question, what's the why of hospitality? Let's close here with the how. Now the text before us, and if you read through scripture of looking for that theme, hospitality, we don't get a lot of prescription here. But how exactly do we show hospitality to others? We are given a number of examples of, like the one we read, or the two we read about. But it really is the heart. And I know some of you are living right now with various demands and burdens on your lives. Some of you may have shown so much hospitality of late that you're actually quite burnt out. You're fatigued. It's called compassion fatigue, and that's a real thing. And you need to get alone in prayer and bathe in the warm, generous hospitality of Christ, that love that he has for you. You need to be filled up and replenished again. Some of you are in that position right now. 
Some of you are facing the troubled waters in your family and in your marriage, and your life has been turned upside down. Hospitality in that context is very, very difficult. I get that. Some of you are just managing, just getting by, caring for children and diapers and wash and food on the table and everything. And you're just like, and you go to bed at night. Whew. Just escape that day. Hope my kids are sleeping. And you're exhausted. And yet others of you are given a place in your life right now where you can open your home to the stranger. You can meet them in your neighborhood or you can meet them around here or you meet them at work and you invite them into your life. And you're pouring love and truth into them. Others are finding ways to connect with this community through the many initiatives that you do as a church here at Blessings. And I applaud this. Others are finding ways to open your home for the care of foster children. Maybe you're working with the same families, but you're wanting to care for those children who are broken, who have no father or no father to talk about, or are abandoned by their parents, or their family is just so broken that you're rest giving respite for them. Some of you are doing that right now. May God bless you. Some of you are walking with other members in this body who are really struggling, and you're showing particular love and care for them because you want to show the, the love of Christ through hospitality. Some of you are doing all those things. And may God be honored in that. But I fear there are still some of you that are living like unlit fires, unlit wood. The warmth of Jesus' love does not flow from you. That's a scary reality. There's no room in your heart to show hospitality because Christ isn't in your heart yet. That's a call for repentance, loved ones. If God's going to use this as a litmus test on the day of days to see whether we belong to him or not, we got to get this right. Is there room in your heart for your neighbor? And how, how are you showing that love to the stranger? whoever that stranger might be. You say, how? How do we do this, Pastor Ian? Some of you know how the answer to that. But pray for opportunities is a good place to start. You pray for opportunities where you can show the gift of hospitality, the, the virtue of hospitality to others. Start small. Keep it simple. You don't need to be someone else. You can invite people into your homes or you can invite people elsewhere. You, you don't have to have a perfect house, all those kind of things. You just need to show them the love of Jesus. That's exactly what you need to do. Let me share this, this story with you. It's a fictitious story. That, is, that means it's not real. But I like the story anyway. And it counts for something. Someone crafted the story about a woman during the time of Jesus. And she meets Jesus in the market. And Jesus says to her, to this woman, can I come to your home tonight for dinner? And there are stories like that in the Bible, I get that. But this is not in the Bible, just for the record. She's totally stoked. <laughs> the Savior of the world is going to come to her house for dinner. So she rushes home, and like Martha, she gets busy. <laughs> She's scrubbing the floor, scrubbing the counter, putting all the 
wash away, putting the dishes away. And then she runs to the well. She grabs some water. She runs back. Oh, I don't know if I have enough water. She runs back. She runs to the store, gets some extra flour. She runs back, gets some extra salt. And she's busy for like, few, like three or four hours preparing this beautiful meal for her Savior. And then part of that is laudable. As she was getting water, an elderly gentleman comes up to her and says, Please, ma'am, can I have a glass of water? She says, No, no, no. I, I got to get home. I got to bring this water home. I got I gotta, I gotta a special guest coming to my house. I don't know if she said it like house. A little boy runs up to her and says, I, I'm, I'm really hungry. He doesn't have any sandals on his feet. She says, Ma'am, can you provide some food for me? I'm really hungry. So no, 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 don't disturb me, don't disturb me. You don't understand who's coming to my house. A woman comes over and says, I need to borrow some flour. I've run out of flour. She says, no, no, don't bother me. I need this flour. This flour is for something I'm going to bake for dessert for my special guest. And the story goes on. Finally, she has everything ready on the table, and she sits down at the table waiting for Jesus to come into the house. And guess what? Help me out. What's going to happen here? He doesn't show up. He doesn't show up. She puts all the food away. She's totally distressed and unhappy. And she wakes up the next morning. She says, I'm going to find Jesus. <laughs> so she finds Jesus back in the marketplace, speaking the truth. And she says, Jesus, why didn't you come? Why didn't you disappoint me? And Jesus said to her, I did come but you never noticed. What you didn't do to the least of these people that I sent in some ways, you didn't do to me. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. Loved ones, it's not about how nice your house is or how messy your house is or what you have cooking or if you're able to cook or you can't cook or whether you're a great conversationalist or not a great conversationalist. The gift of hospitality given to you from above is showing love, Christ-like love to those who are in need. Because hospitality, you see, makes strangers into neighbors and embraces neighbors so that by God's grace and through much prayer, they can become part of his family, the family of Christ. Hospitality is about going in Christ's name and by his grace and through his power, allowing those who don't know him to know him. And you are the conduit of love that binds these stories together. That's what Christ has called you to be. And may God bless us as we have open eyes to those he calls us to love and be hospitable to in his name. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the gift of hospitality. Lord, it's some ways hard to practice hospitality. Our lives are particularly busy. And some of us have really busy families. But Lord, may we have a heart warm by the love of Christ that loves to show this generosity from above to others. 
May the outflow of your love that you have placed in us by your spirit for what you have done be the impetus, the source, and the power behind our hospitality, whether that's in our home or on the streets or wherever we are. Help us to be an hospitable people, showcasing the deep, deep love of Jesus in a very broken world. And may you receive the glory. And may this, by your grace, populate heaven for your sake. In Jesus' name, heaven. Alone do we pray. Amen.